Hello and welcome back to Post Traumatic Revelations with Ofra Caraballo. This week we are taking a closer and deeper look into this concept of permission to heal post traumatically and what that means and what it takes to have permission. Initially, we just kind of take for granted that everyone wants to heal and everybody can, and it's just equal access. And so we're going to look at some of those barriers today. Um, Why can't we just do it, as we say? Why can't we just stop using drugs or stop drinking or stop being depressed or stop having nightmares or stop being angry? Why can't we just be better or do better or be stronger? Just what stops us? What keeps us from just getting over it? What keeps us from letting it go? Why can't we just decide to be healed from our traumas? Well, there are many reasons. And in this episode, we're going to explore some of those reasons and look a little deeper into this concept of permission. Permission starts with a thought. The thought of asking for and expecting help. Now, we're born with this God-given instinctive knowing that we are loved and adored and supported We know that if we cry out, somebody's going to come for us. If we're hungry or hurting or uncomfortable, all we have to do is cry. And someone somewhere will find us and come and take care of us. And if this happens consistently, we grow up knowing that whenever you're hurt, whenever you need help, just ask for help. And someone will help you. Someone will support you. But this isn't true for everyone. Some needs are not instinctively met. And some needs are. Some needs are delayed. And some needs are just ignored completely. And some needs go unmet indefinitely. So these rates of response can really inform us as babies, as children, as adults, but they tell us how much we matter. They give us a message of our sense of place and space in the world, our ranking, our status, our worth our place and space, where do we belong? And we get those messages before we can even speak based on how our needs are met and how quickly those needs are met. So we're born expecting support, love, whenever we need it. But we learn based on how we're treated whether or not we're getting our needs met, whether or not we're getting what we want, what we need. So 
a human baby learns and the brain is shaped by how quickly needs are met, how regularly, how often. And when they're not met on a regular basis, there are physical and chemical changes that happen in the human body. And so the baby will learn to not cry as much or to cry differently to get the attention it needs to be fed, to be changed. And as humans, we never outgrow the need for support. We never outgrow the need for validation. We never outgrow the need to be seen, heard, supported, validated. But when these needs are not met, they change us in a very real and physical way. And so we withdraw. Often babies in orphanages learn to just stop crying, right? And that shapes the brain, that shapes the body. When you get the message that you don't matter, that your needs are not important, that your needs will not be met, there's this stage of anger, but then there's this stage of internalizing and self-regulating. You just kind of numb out and stop expecting help. And whether it's intentional or accidental, trauma is a violation of that trust, that expectation of help. And so when there's abuse that's ongoing and the suffering isn't addressed, it's ignored. The body adjusts to that. We start to change. We start to shut down. We start to get quiet. We go to that quiet part of ourselves that expected to be seen and heard and loved. And we quiet it. And when the pain is so difficult, we just kind of numb it. And the longer and more urgent the need, the deeper the trauma, the deeper the wound. And the longer it goes unmet, the more imprinted these behaviors, these coping strategies become. And so permission to ask for help is important. And permission to heal for a trauma survivor is that space between complete hopelessness and hope. Permission is that flicker of possibility, the possibility that healing and recovery, support or peace just might be available. But depending on the trauma history, depending on the abuse history, depending on the neglect history, the trauma survivor is contemplating and wondering, do I dare think about asking? Do I dare to even believe in the possibility, given what I have been through, 
given what has happened to me, do I dare to expect anything better? And unfortunately, trauma victims internalize these messages of invalidation, of worthlessness. The offender's truth becomes their truth. The trauma victims start to expect the worst, the abuse, the neglect, the abandonment, even when it's an accident. If recovery is not readily available, that shift still happens. Victims can start to internalize that helplessness and hopelessness is the truth that no one's coming, that there is no help available, there is no help available. And this helplessness and hopelessness can trigger that feeling of being worthless, of being discarded, of being dismissed. So permission can seem like a simple surface word or an easy concept, but like so much of who we are, there's more. That simple concept of permission and just kind of giving it, taking it for granted, it's actually deeply rooted into this primal need of belonging, of being valued. We all need to feel connected to someone, supported, right? That need to belong is a primal need to a person, to family, to your clan, to your group. And so when we feel disconnected, permission to re-engage with ourselves, to connect with someone else, to try again post-traumatically, it, it becomes a matter of life and death in so many cases. So giving and receiving of permission, the allowing of expression of need to even be able to say I'm in pain and be seen and heard and validated, to validate that sense of worth, that sense of self, that sense of belonging. Are you worth the time are you worth the consideration? Are you worth the effort that it takes to just pause and allow, to pause and permit yourself first, to permit yourself to even entertain the notion, the idea of being worth helping, of being worth supporting, can you give yourself permission to consider post-traumatically the idea of healing that trauma, the idea of healing those wounds, 
Well, if your parents, if your ancestors, if your forefathers and your foremothers have a history of being enslaved, interned in concentration camps, on reservations, ignored, invalidated, muted, disregarded. If you are a descendant of people with histories of trauma, or if you are recent victim of trauma, you may not know how or where to start with this concept of giving yourself permission. So often those survival behaviors are passed down from generation to generation. Those abusive behaviors are passed down from generation to generation because when you internalize these messages of worthlessness or unworthiness, or not enoughness, it's easy to avoid or delay asking for help. Trauma survivors often feel like they're the problem. They feel like their pain and their suffering is their burden alone to bear. And asking for help is weakness, and more importantly, inconvenience. So historically, traumatized people were killed, dismissed, ignored at best, left for dead if they complained of discomfort, of abuse, of unfairness. And so asking for help was a dangerous thing, I think. The point that asking for help could mean your life. Even now, children, women, men, people around the world suffer in silence for fear of what they might lose if they try. The concept of permission to heal is so deep and complex that we don't recognize it. So often we bury it behind the walls of judgment, guilt, shame. We internalize the pain. We internalize the abuse. And of course, these are defense mechanisms and attempts to survive And these attempts become maladaptive, and so they hinder us from healing and getting the peace that we so desperately need. The internal recordings of don't be a problem, don't be an inconvenience, don't be trouble, don't be weak, don't tell, don't be a snitch. Don't go airing your dirty laundry and don't make a scene. 
These are some of the messages that trauma survivors and trauma victims hear over and over internally because it can mean danger, punishment. If you complain, if you ask for help, if you tell, what would you lose? You could lose a family member, you could lose resources, you could lose your job, or you could lose your support. You could lose your people, your sense of belonging, your clan, and in extreme cases, your life. So our internal gatekeepers, the internal wardens, they keep us quiet. And what's interesting is in my work, by the time I see clients, they've at least negotiated with their gatekeepers. Gatekeepers are guards, that internal warden, that internal monitor, that internal critic that keep us in our place keep us from disturbing the peace. They've given themselves permission. Many of the clients have given themselves permission. They've negotiated with those gatekeepers. And by the time they get to my office, they've given themselves permission to ask for help, to ask for support. And what I've learned is there are stages of permission. Like gatekeepers in a prison, multiple traumas equal multiple gatekeepers or multiple guards. So permission to ask for help isn't the same as permission to receive the help. And permission to receive help isn't always full access to the trauma survivor's trauma history or their road to recovery. And so it's a delicate dance. It's a delicate relationship because trauma shatters trust. It shatters the trust in yourself and in the world. And multiple traumas enforces these messages of helplessness and hopelessness and terror and horror. So permission to heal happens in stages. Permission to heal happens as trust is built and confidence is built, right? But getting back to that place of expected support Expected love, expected validation takes time, takes effort, takes courage. But first, you need permission. Permission from the internal guards, the internal gatekeepers, the internal warden, critic, living on this constant diet of judgment, guilt, and shame. In this hopeless, dark, 
place. Permission is the yeah, but. Permission is the what if. Permission is that spark in the darkness that says, dare to hope, dare to try, dare to cry out, dare to call and ask for help, dare to let our needs be known. This is the seed that starts the garden that can be the new normal that can become your healing journey. So permission is about remembering who you are and whose you are. You have a God-given right and ability to heal and be healed, but only you can give yourself the permission to ask for and accept and receive it. Thank you so much for your time, for your attention, for your permission, for your courage. Thank you. And I look forward to hearing your comments and your questions and your responses. Until next time, be well.